Hello, everybody, and welcome to the History of the Holocaust podcast. I'm Mr. Hall. So today we're going to be looking at Chapter 1. Uh, you should have read Chapter 1, completed Chapter 1's notes uh, before you look at this podcast or listen to this podcast. And you also probably will want to have the uh, notes open next to you. There is a uh, collection of slides that is on the classroom that I would recommend having next to you that says Chapter 1, Who Are the Jews? So today that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to try and kind of discover who are the Jews in history. So to start, you know, we, I know we've talked a little bit about this in class, uh, but this is also as a little bit of a reminder, a little refresher for you guys, uh, and this is also for those who are not in the classroom during that discussion. But when we're taking a look at who the Jews are, we have to understand the victims in this, this Holocaust, um, because understanding them helps us understand how they made the decisions they did, whether it be fighting back, uh, rebelling, um, or being passive, though all the decisions that the Jews are going to make really kind of stems from their history, their upbringing, and so on. So it helps us to understand Jews as a culture. So one thing to really remember about Jews is Judaism is not a religion, um, and it's not a race either. The best way that I've heard it described, and this is actually by um, one of the, this is by a professor from the University of Susquehanna, and she is a, uh, a rabbi down in Lewisburg, and she described it to me more as a culture, uh, which I very much respect. I, I like that view a little better, that, you know, whether you are grown up in the Jewish culture or not, you know, kind of like how there's a Christian culture, whether you are practicing Christian or not, there are going to be certain things that are going to uh, play a, a role on your upbringing and then play a role in how you interpret issues. So when we take a look at just the history of Jews in general, you know, the big thing for us to remember for the Jews is their, their books, their Bible, their version of you know, the Christian Bible. Uh, now, the good thing for us is their version of the Bible is actually the first half of the Christian Bible, for the most of it at least. The, what we Christians know as the Old Testament, that is known to the Jews as the Torah. Um, now, this is the, the Torah is one of three Jewish books. Um, the Torah, though, is the story. It's the creation. It's the liberation of the Jews and their history establishing the nation of Israel. Then they have the prophets, which are stories from prophets about what the future is going to be, how to treat with God, and so on. And then there's the writings, which are kind of, you know, what we would think of as like parables or psalms. Um, things that are kind of little short stories about how to live your life and, and kind of explicit examples. Um, all of this comes together into what we would think of as the Jewish Bible. Um, this is their writings. This is their scripture. But it's the Torah that we really focus on, and it's the Torah that is the most important within Judaism. The Torah gives the backstory of who the Jews are, and that backstory can have a big impact on how people treat each other. You know, the same way that Christians believe that Jesus was a certain kind of character and that Jesus took certain actions. And people use Jesus and, and his uh, example as a justification for their actions. Jews in any culture do the same thing. They need to understand their history to know how that history is going to affect them in the future. And probably the most important part of the Jewish history is Moses and the Exodus. You know, again, the book of Exodus is describing the story of how the Jews are enslaved within Egypt. And, and Moses, you know, to really shorten the story, Moses is this individual who is a Jew himself. He is met by God in this burning bush. 
and God tells him, you will go to Egypt and, and you will free my people. Uh, Moses does so eventually, you know, after 10 plagues, he finally convinces God to you know, let the Jewish people leave, or excuse me, he convinces, he, uh, Moses convinces the Pharaoh um, to let God's people, the Jews, leave Egypt and, uh, and try to create their own nation. So the Jews do eventually flee, but the ultimate, the ultimate lesson to get behind this story is two things. One being that the Jews are taught constantly not to be uh, violent, not to be outwardly open about political opinions and so on. They're, they're meant to be more passive. And if they're suffering a difficult time in their life, there's a reason for that suffering. God is punishing them for something. Now, ultimately, the Jews are supposed to sit back as a people and wait. God will provide. As long as you, the Jews are keeping God's word and following the, the Torah and, and listening to what God tells them, God will provide for them. God will take them out of this difficult time. They do not need to do that themselves. And generally, how does God do that? Well, God works through a messenger, and Moses becomes that messenger. Moses is, you know, seen as passive and understanding when necessary, but also militant when he needs to be. He, he is that strong leader. And Moses is also going to begin to show a, 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 provide an example for the Jews of what their future Messiah is going to be. Now, again, Christians see the Messiah as Jesus, this, this character who is forgiving and love thy neighbor and so on. But the Jews saw their version of a Messiah, their Savior, as being somebody who's going to be able to dominate their enemies militarily, be able to free them, even using physical violence if necessary, and somebody to rule them using God's rule and using God's law. You know, another major part of this is the law giving at Mount Sinai. So even after Moses takes his people out of Egypt, he then receives the Ten Commandments. And when he comes back down from the Mount Sinai, he sees his own people worshiping a golden calf. And he throws down the Ten Commandments, destroying them, telling his people, you, know, you are an embarrassment to God, and so on. And, and so this Messiah figure is also somebody who can call out his people, who can uh, be the one to point and say, no, you are wrong, and you need to change, and, and hold them accountable to God. Uh, and so that's really who the Jews are always looking for. Whenever they're in a time of difficulty, that can sometimes play a role in how Jews decide to react to a certain situation, especially as a group, um, that they might be more passive at times and, and believe that God will provide for them. That's not their role to get that out. So you know, when we are asking the question, what are the Jews expected to do until the coming of the Messiah? Well, they're expected to follow the book. They're expected to listen to God's laws. And the the step-by-step -step following will bring the Messiah on. The Messiah will come when the Jews have proven their faith um, by practicing what God has given them in their book. Now, eventually, we know Jesus comes around. Now, Jesus is seen by the Jews as a false prophet, as a false messiah, one of many false messiahs that the Jews had throughout history, even up until the time of Jesus. Um, but Jesus is still going to have a very big impact also, not just on the Jews themselves, but on how we, the outsiders, um, the Gentiles, and eventually Christians, portray the Jews and see the Jews. Part of this, you know, the fact that the Jews did deny Jesus, that he was not God, as the Christian religion is spreading and becoming the official religion of, of Rome and so on, um, the crucifixion of Jesus becomes an obsession of Christians, especially early Christians. And who do the early Christians blame for that crucifixion? 
they blame the Jews. Yeah, they point to the Jews and say that it was the Jews who turned in Jesus. It was them who turned him over to uh, Pontius Pilate, and it was the Jews who were responsible then for the death. Now, the Christians use this because the Christians are now the, the new monotheistic religion. Previously, the Jews were the only monotheistic religion, especially within this region around the Mediterranean Sea. And so to separate themselves from the Jews, they pointed at the Jews and said, no, that's them. They made that choice. They also needed to alienate the Jews. They needed to make them seem wrong so that the Christians could seem right in the light of this new religion that is suddenly popping up. Uh, and that, that story is going to continue, and it's going to spiral out of control to the point where Christians, and especially as Christianity becomes the dominant religion throughout history, Christians are going to expand upon this anger. You know, so we can take a few looks in your book, you know, on page 21 and 22. On page 21, I'm going to read that block quote that is the top block quote talking about, you know, medieval Christianity. And this is coming from St. John, a Catholic saint. The Jews sacrifice their children to Satan. They are worse than wild beasts. The synagogue is a brothel, a den of scoundrels, the temple of demons devoted to idolatry cults, a criminal assembly of Jews, a place of meeting for the assassins of Christ, a house of ill fame, a dwelling of iniquity, a gulf and abyss of perdition. The synagogue is a curse. Obstinate in her error, she refuses to see or hear. She has deliberately perverted her judgment. She has extinguished within herself the light of the Holy Spirit. The Jews have fallen into a condition lower than the vilest animals. Debauchery and drunkenness have brought them to the level of the lusty goat and the pig. They know only one thing, to satisfy their stomachs, to get drunk, to kill and beat each other up like stage villains and coachmen. I hate the Jews because they violate the law. I hate the synagogue because it has the law and the prophets. It is the duty of all Christians to hate the Jews. Again, guys, that is coming from a saint. Somebody who the you know Christian church tries to look up to in perpetuity. And when we look at the language that is being used, comparing them to dogs, sleeping with animals, we're trying to dehumanize the Jews. They're trying to make them seem as subhuman. It's very difficult to mistreat another human being. It's very difficult to look somebody in the eyes and physically or mentally abuse them or take something from them, to see that pain in their face and to have that touch your soul and your emotions. So by dehumanizing them, by portraying them as animals or below human being status, it makes it easier for those perpetrating these, these negative actions. It makes it easier for them to harm somebody else and, and again, feel okay about themselves inside. I mentioned in the Human Nature podcast that we must justify everything that we do. Well, sometimes the way to justify your actions is to degrade those you are taking actions against. And we're going to see that build throughout history. It's going to start with this language of dogs and animals, and it's going to move on to bacteria and parasites. We're going to shrink the Jews down to being nothing more than an insect, and not just a dog. You know, a dog is somebody who, yes, they're subhuman, but a dog is loyal. A dog can be trained. A dog you can personally love as well for what it's given. But a parasite, a parasite is not only subhuman, it is, it is something that is negative. It is something that latches, is, not, is good for nothing else other than latching on 
to another entity and stealing from that entity its life force. So all of this language that is being used uh, is slowly trying to dehumanize the Jews, make them into something that not only is easier to persecute, but that you feel angry enough that you want to persecute them, that it is now your duty to persecute them to protect yourself. Uh, some other issues, though, that, that do come up, you know, we've seen a couple of different examples of Jews described within chapter one. You know, we talked about Jewish mysticism. You know, Jewish mysticism is this concept that, you know, God has a very active role in, in our lives, that God can move things around and put things in places, and that if you are experiencing hardship, you're experiencing that hardship because God is punishing you, or vice versa. If you're experiencing pleasure, it's because God is rewarding you for something good that you have done. And so this mysticism um, is going to have an impact on whenever Jews are experiencing something negative in mass in, as a large group. You know, a little bit of this is a, a nod to God. God, we must have done something wrong, and God is punishing us for that. Yeah, and then when we start to see the Jews develop as a civilization alongside Christian civilization— there's a lot of major world events that are going to play a big role in this. You know, the concept of spending and lending money. It's not as though that the Jews came up with the concept of paper money or the concept of banking, but more so that the Catholic Church outlawed the concept of lending money, that it was illegal for a Catholic to lend money to somebody and take that money back with interest. The Catholic Church saw that as immoral, and so they outlawed it. Well, Everybody was Catholic throughout the Middle Ages, unless you were Jewish. So realistically, who was the only group in society who was even allowed to practice lending money? It was the Jews. So everybody turned to the Jews to lend money. You know, so we can start to see how some of these historic consequences can play a role then in our stereotypes. Why do we think today that Jews tend to be stingy, that they are money grubbers, that they can you know, rub two pennies together and create a nickel? That comes from this concept of Jews being bankers, of lending money and being the only ones that are allowed to. And obviously, if you lend somebody money, you're going to be a stickler to make sure you get that money back. And that's how the Jews were. We also have other things such as, you know, the Black Death arising. The Jews were blamed for the Black Death in a lot of, or in a lot of uh, Europe. The Jews were seen as a plague upon Europe and that they were the, the God was punishing the Christians because of the Jews and their, their false ideologies and so on. Um, so we start to see a bunch of different events happening in history that play a role to further demonize, to further dehumanize the Jews. I mean, this goes all the way into the Protestant Reformation and Martin Luther. For those of you who took world history last year, you know I, I, uh, I, I respect Martin Luther and I really look towards him for his Protestant Reformation views and breaking away from the Catholic Church. But there were also a lot of very negative things that Martin Luther did, especially to the Jews. Martin Luther was a raging anti-Semite. He attacked the Jews. And again, he, he used this as a tool the way that I described early Christians within the Roman Empire. That now that Martin Luther was the different Christianity, the different religion. He needed to, again, point at people and say, this is why I'm separate from them. And he used the Jews, again, as that further leverage, claiming that the Jews are satanic, that they you know, drink the blood of children and so on. You know, this concept of, of blood libel, that the Jews use child or the, the blood of Christian children and their sacrifices to their God and so on. A lot of that was spread by Martin Luther and other individuals throughout the Protestant Reformation. And it started to build this fear of the Jews 
further into people who are uneducated and, and probably have never met or come into contact with a Jew or even Jewish community. Um, so, you know, when we're taking a look at the history of Jews, we have to understand their history, some major events, and how they experienced and interpreted those major events to understand how they might react to other events in the future. If there are other events in the future that are similar, they're going to try to take possibly similar steps because it's a cultural piece. It's something that they're taught about how, how to be raised and how to um, how, how to react to things around you. That does not guarantee every single person is going to take the same action. The same way that, you know, being raised in America and having American history with, you know, a Christian background, that I am going to take the exact same steps or reactions that you would in any given situation. Everybody's different. And that's why I place the human nature lecture first. That human nature lecture is there to help you see how other things can play a role. So even when I'm talking about the history and the backstory, I'm just trying to give you one more out of a million reasons as to why the Jews might have made these kinds of decisions in these given moments. Um, but again, this is no guarantee. So I hope that this, this backstory, this uh, history of the Jewish people did help you to understand them better. As we move forward, we're going to start to see how they react to major events, especially major events leading up to the Holocaust and events that are much more similar um, to what we're going to see in the Holocaust. Uh, so next we're going to talk about liberalism emancip and emancipation, um, where we're going to start to see the Jews becoming more involved in society uh, in the Middle Ages and through the Renaissance and, and beyond. So really from like the 1500s to the present and how they've developed more uh, of a tie with the rest of Christian uh, society and that throughout Europe. Um, but we had to understand this background first. So I hope that you guys were able to get all this. Um, if there's anything, you have any questions on any of this information or any information throughout the rest of the, the chapter, please, again, reach out to me uh, and keep an eye out for the next podcast later this week. Uh, have a great day, everybody. Keep your name out of the paper except for doing good deeds.